Hello and welcome to The Culture Bar, an arts and culture podcast series brought to you by Harrison Parrott. In this episode of our Speed Podcast mini-series, we talk to Henry St. Clair, the Senior Manager of our Dance Department. We talk about what it's like to manage our new and growing dance department, his own experiences in the professional dance world, and tips for those looking to experience dance for the first time. Thank you for joining us, Henry. Uh, Before we go into the questions, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, please? I can. So my name is Henry St. Clair. I am from Colchester in Essex in the UK. Um, I come from a dance background, so I studied dance from a very young child, uh, and I went to the Royal Ballet School Lower School, which is White Lodge in the middle of Richmond Park when I was 11. I went all the way through the Royal Ballet School and graduated into English National Ballet Company, uh, working mainly in the Colosseum and the Albert Hall. Uh, And then I moved to Germany. I was in Germany for five years in two different companies. Uh, in Augsburg and in Hof, which is in the east of the country, uh, and I had a great time dancing lots of principal roles. I then came back to London and I joined the Royal Ballet Company, where I was for five years, and I uh, had a fantastic time in London, the Royal Ballet Company. I retired from dance, went to university and did economics, because I just thought I need to do something <laughs> other than dance, and I thought that would be a good, a good way to get me in. Mm. Uh, And then since then, really, I graduated in uh, 2013, and since then I've been freelancing uh, and doing company management, general management, casting, producing, uh, across the theatre world, almost all exclusively to do with dance. So how long uh, have you worked at Harrison Parrott for then? I just passed my one year anniversary. So I started at Harrison Parrott, I think, on the 19th of September 2021. Um, I'd been in discussions with the company for a good few months and I had proposed what I thought a dance department should look like um, in terms of who we should sign, uh, from what discipline those individuals should come from and how I would manage them on behalf of HP. Uh, And luckily the board agreed with my vision and uh, they hired me in September 21 and we spent a few months sorting everything out getting everything arranged and, and started and we officially launched in May 2022. So Harrison Parrott is, is known for representing like classical musicians, touring with orchestras, so dance is this whole new thing for Harrison Parrott isn't it? It is um, and Harrison Parrott I have to confess I didn't know the company before I joined <laughs> because I'm not from that world um, although I am now, but Harrison Parrott had also toured dance productions previously. So HP took uh, Akram Khan's Giselle production for English National Ballet to China. They've toured Rombert and they've toured Acosta Danza, Sidi Labe Chikawi. So they've toured plenty of dance productions and have a lot of experience in the world of dance. Um, But I think what they really wanted to explore was whether they could have a dance department that dealt with individuals as they do within the artist management side of HP that would work from within the world of dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we do. So we've, we've started this dance department which represents and manages the careers of uh, dancers, choreographers, ballet specific conductors, uh, dance and opera film directors and uh, anybody from within the creative field of dance, really, who wouldn't traditionally be represented or managed elsewhere. Could you give our listeners some examples then of of dancers that we're currently representing? Of course, I can. And 
to avoid accusations of favoritism, I will just bring out <laughs> one random name from each company that we <laughs> represent. So, for example, up at the uh, the Royal Opera House, the Royal Ballet Company, we represent uh, Rhys Clark. I was chatting to Rhys today. Uh, in Munich, we represent Jona Acosta, nephew of Carlos Acosta. In Berlin, we represent, among others, Ksenia Ovsianik, a fantastic principal dancer there. In San Francisco, we represent Nikisha Fogo. And uh, from Paris Opera, we are truly honored to represent, among others, the Etoile Dorothée Gilbert. So what does it mean then exactly to represent a dancer? Like, what, what does that entail from a management side of things? Well, I think it's very similar to managing other aspects of other professional workers' lives in that a lot of the time, if you are a principal ballet dancer, the thing that you really want to concentrate on is your artistic output on stage and in the studio. The last thing you really want to be thinking about is fee negotiation, travel logistics, diary management, uh, schedule conflicts, and all of the other myriad things that get in the way of your life when you're trying to be brilliant at the thing that you individual. love. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And there's there's a so much capacity that your mind and sort of body can endure. And so if you have somebody who can lift off a lot of the day-to-day -day administration, it frees you up to have further capacity to explore the sort of artistic output that you might be able to have and the creativity that you can um create yeah so the dancers can just focus on what they're good at yeah just dancing <laughs> yeah. just you know just dance and, and we can take care of the rest of it and it's very same it's the same for um uh you know ballet conductors so ballet specific conductors is a real uh niche within the conducting world and they're not traditionally managed and represented by uh management companies and they are actually incredibly important because the relationship between principal dancers on stage to the orchestra in the pit as sort of relayed through the conductor at the front is crucial and the way that the conductor can look at the dancer and see the way that the dancer's moving and the tempo that they want to move at and then transmit that to the audience is a real skill and it's something that um, is very difficult to acquire, takes years and then is, is very niche and so these conductors often don't have anybody looking after them uh, and so what we've tried to create is a group of conductors who all work at incredible opera houses and ballet companies around the world and can help each other with me uh, to create this circle of opportunity so that everybody is working all at the same time and a lot of the repertoire that is done by uh, ballet companies is the same repertoire to the same score, same musical score, even if it's not to the same choreography. So if you've done Swan Lake in one theatre, you can do Swan Lake in another theatre, either if it's even if it's a totally different production, with some slight variations in tempi. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's it's just a crucial area that ballet conductors are traditionally not entered into. Mm. And and you mentioned conductors, and I suppose there's a misconception that you think of a dance department that you're just representing dancers, but no, like you like you said previously, it's conductors. It's the whole. Yeah. It's the whole industry. Which yeah, is... it's anybody within dance. So it's also choreographers, creative individuals, designers. Uh, and film directors for example so these are people some of these areas we've explored already some of them are slated for year three four five as we progress the dance department mm -hmm. but eventually we want to have a department which deals with individuals from across the spectrum so whatever your uh, area of expertise within dance we feel that we should be a company that can represent and manage you 
exciting future for a, for, for a still a growing department. Yeah. Um, so you've literally just come from the Royal Opera House. Uh, are there any performances coming up that we need to watch out for there or any other venues? Yes, so we have, I've just come back from the Royal Ballet Company, as you say, the Royal Opera House, and I should make our listeners aware that we also are incredibly proud to represent the estate of the late Sir Kenneth Millen, Millen uh, an incredible choreographer. Um, and his work, Myling, is being produced at the moment at the Royal Opera House, uh, and it's amazing ballet. I would say probably my favourite ballet, uh, <laughs> and it's really a ballet that um, anybody who hasn't seen ballet should go and see. It's the story of Crown Prince Rudolf in the Austro-Hungarian Empire, and listeners might be surprised to know that it's the story of sex, drugs, and suicide. Um, <laughs> it's a very dark ballet, um, but just amazing, incredible. Incredible score and uh, incredible ballet. And um, then following that, of course, there is the uh, traditional Christmas extravaganza of Nutcracker, which is nice and easy to jump into. <laughs> Yeah, we all we all love seeing Nutcracker at Christmas. Yeah. It's favourite. <laughs> so you you mentioned the Nutcracker, which is quite a famous ballet. Do you have any other ballets to recommend to people who want to get into this art form and experience it for the first time? So as I just said, Nutcracker is a great one to jump into. Uh, even if you don't enjoy the ballet itself, it's the whole sort of tradition and pageantry around Christmas that uh, everybody can just really get on board with, and it's great for kids. Um, speaking of kids, I think not all ballets are appropriate, uh, you know, Myling for example, perhaps not that appropriate <laughs> for kids, but a lot are, and uh, The Tales of Beatrix Potter is another lovely one, really nice, and that's based on The Tales of Beatrix Potter with all of the animals, there's the incredible masks and heads and costumes, and it's just a lovely ballet to take your kids to, that's by Ashton, uh, Frederick Ashton. Um, and another one, I think if you are looking to jump into a ballet that you you feel like well ballet is full of women in white tutus and doing all these sort of patterns if that's your idea of ballet and you'd like to see that then of course Swan Lake but Swan Lake is can be quite aggressive in that it's three hours long mm. and it's quite something to jump into so one that is similar but you know, not nearly as long as Giselle. And Giselle has a lovely act one that sets up the story. And then act two is one of these traditional white acts, they're called, because it's full of women in white tutus. Um, and it's a lovely ballet, but you get kind of half as much dancing as you do in Swan Lake. So if you're dipping your toe in for the first time, that's a really good one to go to. And what about dipping your toes into the music? Say if our listeners just wanted to listen to some some of the music, would you recommend any any ballets to, to start with? Yeah. Well, I think I'd I'd say probably three different different ballets for the purely for the music. Uh, probably my favourite is Macmillan's Romeo and Juliet, which is set to the Prokofiev score of Romeo and Juliet, which is just sublime. There is also, again, Macmillan, but I might be biased, <laughs> I love Macmillan, uh, Macmillan's one-act ballet, Requiem, which is set to Foray's Requiem, which is also beautiful, which of course everybody will know. Uh, and then the third one, I say something a bit more, well, actually two more, something, a couple more modern. So one by Joby Talbot, uh, either Winter's Tale or Alice in Wonderland, a much more modern composition, but still truly classical, um, set to classical ballet. Uh, and then the other one, I'd say something by Wayne McGregor. And Wayne has worked with a huge number of artists across the musical spectrum. Um, something that was brilliant is Chroma, which was set to an orchestration of the White Stripes. 
Um, and then also he's worked, an amazing show he did was with uh, Mark Ronson, uh, Boy George. He's worked with some incredible artists. So if you pick up any sort of Wayne McGregor ballet, uh, you will hear some really interesting music. So finally, to wrap up this podcast, are there any uh, books or reading about ballet that you'd recommend to find out more, whether that's for children or adults? Yes. So, well, I mean, I think the most the most simple and obvious thing to do uh, is to visit the Royal Opera House shop or something similar, where there's a whole wide variety of books and DVDs and uh, all sorts of things that you can really get into. Uh, and th- there are some brilliant books in there that sort of explain the beginnings of ballet or the basics of ballet or the stories of the well-known ballets that uh, you can jump straight into. There is also a brilliant book for kids that I read to my son, Forrest, um, called Boys Who Do Ballet. And uh, it was created by the American Ballet Theatre and it features five or six of their male principals and they have been turned into little cartoon figurines of themselves as little boys and they start to do ballet so it's like you know doing ballet as a little boy is totally fine and it helps you to jump higher to play basketball to run faster in baseball it's a bit sort of american sport centric but it's really good for kids and forrest absolutely loves it Thank you for listening to this Culture Bar Speed podcast. Henry Sinclair was interviewed by me, Lauren O'Brien. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please follow us on your preferred podcast player.